Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward. Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have another great episode for you tonight. I'm joined by Debbie Jones, Barbara Locke, and Sandy Harris. Together, these amazing ladies form the Sisters of the Moon, an all-female research team. I have so much respect and admiration for these ladies. They are one tough bunch. I haven't encountered too many all-female teams researching the big guy, and I'm very happy that they're here. In this episode, the ladies discuss how they met, Dogman, and of course, their Sasquatch research. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have questions, comments, or just want to say hello, drop me an email at paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And if you enjoy the show, please like, share, and subscribe. It's one of the many ways to show your support and get the show out there. You can find me on YouTube, Podbean, FringeRadioNetwork.com, KPNL Digital Network on Thursday nights, and any place you find fine podcasts. Now, on with the show. Hello, ladies. Welcome to Paranormal Heart. Hello, Hi. Kay. So happy Hello, to have you. Here. So happy to have you here. Um, like we said before we recorded, uh, trying to get everybody's schedules together choose, uh, was a little challenging. And then I think last time I had some uh, thunderstorm issues and my internet was cutting in and out. And Debbie and I thought, well, let's just try it another time uh, instead of having to record and have to do it again anyway. So, um, And my internet did go out that night. So I'm glad that we finally, finally <laughs> are here. Well, we're glad to be here too, and I got Ellie the Squatch Dog here. With oh, us hello, Ellie. <laughs> and it's it's been a long time since we've been on your show, Cat. I think you were one of our very first podcasts that we were on. Actually, no, no, what? No, I don't think you have been on. We spoke about we having you on. Here? Yeah, we spoke about having I, you on a long time ago, but it just never happened for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't remember being on this podcast. Yeah. Okay. No, we're new yeah. to this one. Yeah. <laughs> well, why don't you introduce yourselves, and then we'll get to the meat and potatoes. Okay, well, well I'm going to be We're going to all talk at the same time. <laughs> Let's go alphabetical, girls. Um, I'm Barbara Locke, and I live in Northeast Texas. And I'm Debbie Jones, and I live in East Texas. And I am Sandy Harris, and I live in South Georgia. Nice. And together, you are... Sisters of the Moon. Sisters of the Moon, that's Sisters right. Sisters of the Moon. I yeah. love that. First of all, how did you come, up, come to choose that name for your research team? Actually, our very... Very, very first name was I was in a Bigfoot movie that flopped. And we later <laughs> changed it to Sisters of the Moon because of a Stevie Nick fan. 
that's all. Yeah, that's how we. Yeah, it, even it makes sense. It's very fitting because we're well, Barbara and Sandy are sisters, and yeah. we we're all like sisters. We're close enough, and we feel like sisters. And what we do, it's usually under the moon. Yep, <laughs> so, it is. Nice. How long have you been together? Twenty sixteen. The three yeah. of us, Sandy and I, like Debbie said, Sandy and I are our sisters, and we've been interested in it, oh, my gosh, a long time. So how did you ladies meet time. Debbie? I met Debbie first. We became friends through a group on Facebook, and then we both got invited to the same expedition in northeast Texas, right where I lived, and I met Debbie there. And then Sandy came into the group, and we just all clicked. I mean, we're yeah, very like-minded, yeah. and we've we've gone through changes in our group. You know, we originally had uh, five and six, and and then it is it got down to four, and and it's been just the three of us now for a while, being able to go out and spend time together. And I mean, we. We mesh so well. Like I said, it's like we're sisters, and we always talk about how similar we are and how we think similarly. You know, similarly, and uh, we we found some interesting stuff out at our last campout in North Georgia. It was just the three of us, and we got to talking about how we were connected, really somehow. Barbara and Sandy, of course, because they're sisters, but we all have this connection, and we kind of weirded ourselves out when we got to <laughs> yeah. talking about it and realized we had all had the same nightmares, re re reoccurring nightmares really? about werewolves yeah. growing up, and they were all almost identical. Yeah. That's that was, amazing. It's still freaking out. It's still freaking out. I know. I was talking about it last night. Do you feel and comfortable it, to share the nightmare? Yeah. I mean, it's... Sure. Go ahead, Debbie, because our dreams are all the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were all in the same house. So there you yeah. Go. Yeah. Um, the three of us were sitting around the campfire just this past March up in North Georgia talking about, you know, our connection and how we really think that there is more to us because we are so connected. And, um, and you know, Dogman is so prevalent in the cryptid studies right now. And I've never wanted to believe Dogman is real. I mean, I have been fighting it tooth and nail and I just haven't wanted to believe it and that's what we were talking about how we didn't really you know want to believe it but we know people we know some people very well and um that have recently been introduced to the subject and have gone out i mean they've been bigfooters and they're very well-known bigfooters but um and they are hardcore Bigfooters. And they had somebody contact them that said he had dogmen uh, or a dog man. I don't know how many. 
owned this property of his and he's ex-military. And so he was hiding under bushes and shrubs and all sorts of things, wearing ghillie suits and had, I, I can't go into detail about everything, but he had gotten some pictures and I, I, the girls know me. I'm very, I pick at every little picture and I don't believe a lot of them. And, uh, but anyway, they, the guys showed me this picture that they had and it was very hard to deny what I was seeing. And, um, and I trust these guys with my life. That's how much I believe these, these two guys. It's not Mark and Larry, but, um, you know, I trust them the same. But um, just seeing that, I kind of got sick to my stomach. Had a, you know, pit in my stomach. Just it, it, I did not want to believe it, but it was almost undeniable. And so we were talking about that and talking about how around the campfire, the three of us, how we just never really wanted it to be true. And I, I said something, one of us had said something about, we used to have nightmares about werewolves when we were little. And then the other would say, said, well, I did too. Uh, and I think Barbara chimed in me too, or me three even, I don't know. But <laughs> so we got to talking about them. And I know me and Sandy were sitting at the fire and Barbara was over at the tent, if I remember correctly. And Sandy had asked me what my dream was because I had said something about, I used to dream that they were chasing me going around the house and I was hiding from them. And just us talking back and forth, we had all had a dream about hiding under the house and hiding from these werewolves. And I, at one point, had told them that I could see, I remember in my dream, seeing their legs. They were down on all fours at one point, and I could see their legs. And I was, Sandy asked me, were you, you know, where were you under the house? And I said, I was like in the center at one time. And then in another dream or another part of the dream, I'd be up under the front porch. And then even in another dream, I'd be in my house looking out the windows going around and around all that windows in the house. And, uh, but when I was under the house, I, I told, told them, I said, I can remember seeing them. Sometimes they'd be up on two legs and sometimes they'd be on all fours. And I said, uh, Sandy said, I said, some, we talked about how there wasn't any underpinning. And, uh, I said something about that. My house was up on cinder blocks and Sandy said theirs was up on rocks. And, then I asked, I think one of us asked, I think it was me, I don't remember, about what color the houses were. And they said white. Sandy said white, I think. And yeah. I said mine was light gray. And But, I mean, they were all almost identical, our nightmares that we had about werewolves. The thing and, that, uh, that I find fascinating, too, about that is how... When someone has a nightmare and they're 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 hiding from whatever it is they're having a nightmare with, it's usually they'll hide in a closet or under a bed or someplace in the house. But you all hid under the house. I mean, yes. that's that's not a usual a usual scenario that's going to happen. So you definitely are all connected somehow. Yeah, it's yeah. really feel like it. 
I mean, we just, I think we put off some kind of a roar together that goes out there in the cosmos and Bigfoot can feel it and they come check us out. But we don't want no dog man. No. no. <laughs> dog man, no. No, no. <laughs> I just remember being in those dreams. And I mean, it's not like I just had it one time. I've had it oh, repeatedly man. times. And so has Debbie and Barbara this same stinking dream. Yes. And I remember just feeling pure terror. Those dreams were always horrible. And, um, but when we got to talking, it's just like Debbie said, uh, we, we described the cinder blocks. We described, you know, laying on the dirt, <laughs> looking around and watching them walk around the, the house. It was, yeah. And feeling pure terror. And we knew Absolutely. We knew it Scared was, to death. We knew it was werewolves. Or, you know, they call them dog men now, but it was yeah. a werewolf when I was a little girl. Too. It was a werewolf to me. Yeah. Werewolf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Out of all the and cryptids, you know, so go ahead. Oh no, go you go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, out of all the cryptids, as growing up as a as a little girl, we have uh, Lugaru up here, which is similar to uh, the Rugaru down in the states, and um, it's something that I've always been fascinated with. It's my favorite of all the cryptids. So uh, when I started hearing about the Dogman, uh, and I started wondering, well, is that the same thing as a werewolf, which is the same as a Lugaru and Ruga? You know, so many different names and. Some people don't think they are the same, but the majority of, of people in this uh, community say that they are. What What do you think, the, the three of you ladies? Do you think they're the same, werewolf and uh, dogman? I yes, read something I about that the other day, and it was talking about a uh, like a rougarou being more as a punishment for people that had done evil. Mm-hmm. So oh, I, I think... Yeah, I, I don't know where I read that. Well, that's but, so I'm going to say they're different. I think a werewolf just kills. I don't know. Because there's so many speculations. Some people say they're government experiments. Some uh, um, people say they've been around since the beginning of time. You know, they've always been here. That, But they, they come from another another. Uh, planet. Some say there are guardians. Some say uh, there's just so many uh, speculations of what they could be. Well, I think I think that they probably have been here for quite a while because, like you were talking about, y'all have this in in your history and in in Louisiana, the Rugurus are. Very well known, been around forever, you know. And then we grew up on werewolf movies. Yeah. <laughs> as much yeah. as I didn't yeah. like werewolves, I loved watching the scary movies because yep. I just liked too. scary stuff. But those were the ones that always scared me the worst. And um, nothing else. Honestly, scary movies didn't scare me. I loved watching ghost movies because I believe ghosts exist. And, um, uh, you know, I grew up with family that had experiences and, and, you know, what I was going to say a few minutes earlier, talking about how we had had these reoccurring dreams that were the same. I used to have three or four reoccurring dreams growing up that I can remember. And this one finally kind of makes sense now. Two of them, I still don't have a clue. They were very similar. Um, 
they weren't about werewolves or anything, but the two other dreams were similar in context. But then another dream that I had all the time when I was younger made no sense for the longest. And it was, I would dream of a floating picture and I'll try not to go into a whole lot of detail, but it was just of a Victorian era woman, like the movie Somewhere in Time. Mm-hmm. You know how she had her hair up and the high neck and cameo. It was just like that. And all it was was a floating picture and it was rocking, coming towards me, just kind of rock, rocking side to side. And I was so scared of this picture for some reason. And I never could understand it because it was a beautiful woman in that picture. But that it was floating in pure darkness and it was coming towards me. And my mama, I would be screaming, no, get away. And I'd be hitting in, you know, while I was asleep, I'd actually be hitting at this picture. And my mama was trying to wake me up one night and she said I was hitting her. And she was shaking me because I was waking everybody in the house up, trying to wake me up. And uh, anyway, so years later, when I was an adult, uh, I had I was adopted at three days old. And my adoptive mother had passed away when I was 16 from cancer. And I decided I had started having health problems, you know, and I decided I needed to at least find out what I could about my my medical background. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up finding all of my biological family on both sides. And I became really close with my brothers and sisters on my biological mother's side. And upon talking to one of my sisters, you know, we used to talk for hours when I, we first found each other. She, um, she was telling me about how the houses they had lived in and the grandparents and all of this, and that she used to have to go stay at the grandparents' house. And she hated staying there because there was this picture hanging in the room that scared her. And I asked her why she was scared of a picture. And so she said, I just thought this woman was going to come out of that picture and get me. And I kind of laughed at her. You know, I was like a big sister. I was already picking at her. And come to find out, very long story short, when she started kind of describing it, you know, saying it was just this woman in the picture and it was an old antique picture, I had like a flashback of my dream. And I said, wait a minute, Cindy. I said, was it an ornate frame? And then I start going into details about the picture and the color of the woman's dress, cameo and all that. She said, oh, my God, how do you know that? And I said, was it? And she said, you just described it. Exactly. And I told her I used to have this dream and I never could understand why. And I think I was picking up on what she was up in Oregon and I was in Texas. Didn't have a clue about each other at the time. You know, she's two years younger than me. And I think I was connected to her. And and I think that's kind of how me and Barbara and Sandy are. I mean, even though we're not biologically related that we know of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we're somehow connected, you know. Other and, than the... Uh, Go ahead. I was just going to say it's that same kind of, you know, feeling. Mm-hmm. Other than the connection that you have, the three of you together, are, do any of you, are any of you sensitive? Do you have any abilities? Not especially besides just gut feelings. Yeah. I'm very intuitive. 
just just intuitive. I'm not psychic or anything, but I usually get these feelings about people, and they've always turned out to be right, even when I didn't want them to, even when I tried to ignore it. Yep. I ended up, they, they've always turned out to be right. I'm, I'm very much an empath. Um, empath. I can feel people out, too. And okay. uh, yeah. when I was married to my ex-husband, I would, could meet people and being around them two or three times. And it only happened a couple of times. But I would tell him, I go, that guy, <laughs> I said, he's... um. He's not a good person, and he and he would always go. How do you know that he is? There was nothing wrong with him whatsoever. And then it wouldn't be but short time after he would find out some very disturbing news about the man. And he said, "How did you know that?" I said, "I don't know. I can just feel certain people." And I said, "Especially if there's something evil in them, I can feel it." Um, but I don't think I'm have psychic abilities or anything like that by no means. I think that that falls into the psychic category because there's there's, that's, there's that's different time different kinds of uh, psychic abilities different uh, levels you know some uh, have stronger abilities than others and I definitely think that is part of being psychic. Yeah, I, I'm like what Sandy said that empath. Mm-hmm. I, when I say I'm intuitive, that's how I am. It's, it's with people usually and, and evidently dreams, but, but yeah, I can, I can feel a person if they're good or, you know, and like I said, I've tried to ignore it before and I've learned not to now. Yeah. It's something that uh, I find um, I, I, I embraced a long time ago and it just makes life a little easier when you, when you don't fight it. Yeah. So what decide what what made you all decide to form a research team and um, and tell us a little bit about your research? We just all fell in love with the subject of, of Bigfoot. Um, we all we all just wanted to to learn all we could about it. We're we're not out there trying to gain fame or or anything like that, and definitely not to make money because it costs a fortune to go Bigfoot hunting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, we just all had a love for. We all know it exists. Um, Debbie's had a sighting. I've had a sighting, and uh, we've seen them walk by the tents. I mean, um, and the more the more we do it, the more we love it, and the more we want to learn. But the more we learn, the more questions we have. Um, things we thought real strongly about maybe five years ago, we're looking at things at a little different angle nowadays. Um, um, being a little bit more open-minded, but yet closing off some stuff we thought we knew too. So it works both ways there. Yeah. I just want to say how much I admire you ladies because you're an all-female research team. And sometimes I see Debbie post when 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 you all go camping and it's just, just, you know, men folk, I, no way I could go camping. Uh, well, oh, I do yeah, have, I, I do have health <laughs> issues, you know, fibromyalgia and a whole bunch of those, you know, I walk with a cane, but whatever. So, uh, camping by myself would be difficult, but I, I don't know without going, going camping without my husband, I, I don't know if I could do it. So I really admire you these ladies. Thank you so much. But you could do it because we sit around camp and get plenty of action. 
we don't have to go out on those night hikes, which we have. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we like to go out during the day, make our presence known, and then we're going to come into camp, and we're going to be making noise and lighting it up. And we're going to be singing and playing music and laughing, just acting like campers. You can do it. <laughs> and then they throw rocks at you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the biggest size rock you've had thrown at you? Oh, my gosh. Probably as big as my palm. Kind of, but not fat, kind of flat. Yeah. Well, now, Barbara, that last one when we were in uh, North Georgia back in, uh, not March, but October. Yeah. You remember when we had, I mean, there were like four nights straight of just solid rocks. It got a little less as each night went on. But that first night, and you had your car over kind of to the side. Remember when that rock was about this big, kind of rectangle, but it was thick. It was like that tall. Sandy walked over there and picked it up. It hit her car. Wow. It hit luckily it hit the plastic trim and uh you could see it kind of bounced over and to the front of it and Sandy walked over there and picked it up and held it up and it stood up about that high for Sandy's hand, if I remember correctly. It's about that long. And then another one that same not long after that. We had a tub, a plastic tub container sitting next to our tent, and um, Barbara had a three-step metal stool, little ladder stool, step stool, folded up, laying on top of it, and uh, something went barreling in and hit the metal. We could hear the metal, and the next morning when we came out and we're looking at all the stuff, we were sitting outside when all this was happen happening. But after we went to bed and all sorts of stuff happened that night, we got up the next morning and we're looking around. And one of them, I can't remember which one, saw that big old, another big old rock in that ladder on the on the tub. Yeah. Now, I know Mark and Larry go to Land Between the Lakes a lot, LBL. Do you ladies go there a lot as well? Or do you have other places you do your research? Um, I've gone with, with Mark and Larry and them. Yeah, I've only been once to LBL, and it was just for like a meet and greet kind of thing. Yeah, me as well. We really, me, Barbara, and Debbie kind of really got like go all over everywhere. Um, uh, one of the most prettiest places I can say we went was Washington State up in the Olympic National Forest. Mm-hmm. Now that was yeah. that was a big treat to be able to go that far. I never thought I'd see that state. So um, in some ways. Us all being together has been a very big blessing, not just an adventure. Um, and we did have a sighting in the Olympic National Forest. Oh, really? We did. <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> it wasn't a Bigfoot, but... Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> it was a hairless Bigfoot. <laughs> and a, a naked one, too. Yeah, very naked. Just wear a naked hiker <laughs> wearing what his mama gave him. Oh, yeah. Oh, he had a what panty pack and boots. Yeah, he had panty packs and a boot, boots and a hat, a oh cap my. or something. Oh, my. <laughs> that must have been the sight. <laughs> yeah, it was. hilarious, though. It's when we saw him, we three were on this trail and he was coming across the trail. <laughs> and when he walked, 
kept out of like that one side was bushes, the other side was bushes, and then the opening in the middle. When he came out of the bushes into our sight, girls, you can back me up here. He was in the paddy formation. <laughs> oh yeah, arms out walking, <laughs> and he looked back at us. But. I had a walking stick and I had a little GoPro type camera. Well, it wasn't a GoPro. It was a video <laughs> camera on it. And I had just turned it off. Oh. <laughs> and I said, that yes. right there is why Bigfoot is not caught on tape more often. Stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could have just as easily been a Bigfoot. Did he, seem a Did he seem embarrassed when uh, he saw you? Yeah, he took off. We chased him. <laughs> <laughs> he actually kind of did and we saw him, like hiding over in some trees yeah yeah so we don't know if he was hiding over there or if he had put his clothes over there and was going back to change or what but that's so funny was it a hot day yeah. <laughs> no it was very it's pleasant oh yeah it was it pretty cold, cold at night when we were up there yeah it was nice during the day, though. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was pleasant. <laughs> oh, my. That is so funny. Yes, no. we thought it was. When you go we up to... We have fun on our camping trips. <laughs> do you usually bring um, plaster kits with you? We didn't well, take well, plaster there. No. We, we... There for a while, we were trying our best to keep some in our vehicles. But then, you know, you get to using it and you end up having, you know, just a little bit left. And that's usually when you need it the most. And I have, I was at a, with Mark and Larry and Shelly at Line Between the Lakes. And Shelly and uh, Patrick Noble actually found a trackway. I mean, there were tons of prints and I had just very, very little. And, you know, we were about 40 miles in either direction from a town, and those were little bitty towns. But we drove and went and bought some uh, just kind of plaster of Paris type stuff just so we could cast those tracks. But we've, we've been caught when we've needed it, hadn't had it, and then we've had it and didn't need it. I remember one, yes. uh, there was one time when, um, Debbie, you had, uh, it was a, I think you were doing a live Facebook uh, video and you were all at Land Between the Lakes. It was during one of the meet and greets and you found, it looks like a mother and its baby, the prince next to the river. And you, you, Shelly. Oh, was it Shelly? Okay. Yeah. So that's the same one that I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah. That was, I mean, you didn't even expect, I mean, it was just right out of the gate. I don't even think you had set anything up. That was amazing. It was really interesting. And uh, uh, those those were when we when she first showed me the little prints that she had found. Uh, you know, I was like, well, you know, it could be kids running around barefoot, but it had been in the 40s for a high over the last previous you know week and a half there, and it had been rainy and stuff. And and where she had found them, the the little prints were in a like an inlet mm-hmm. kinda. And the water had come in and then washed out. And I, I told her, I said, honestly, Shelly, I said, I can't imagine any mother letting their kids run around barefoot 
out here because that's that's just dangerous. Yeah, you know, things washing up at a lake, you know, and and stuff. But uh, I said especially letting them run around barefoot when it's only forty degrees outside. And I said even if they are kids, we we still need to cast these. Yep. And uh, anyway, so the next we didn't do anything. And it was rainy. It was sprinkling then. And uh, the next day, some more people had arrived. And that's when Shelly and Patrick Noble went for a walk. And she was showing him those prints. And they went around to the other side of the cove. And that's where these bigger prints were at. And there was this huge log, downed tree type situation along the edge and that's where all these I, I just call them the mama prints and um that's where all these bigger prints were at and there were tons of little prints over there too just like there had been on the other side and uh, that's where you saw the one where they were toe to toe and in my head I could just see a little one like reaching up to its mama saying pick me up yeah yeah but what was so interesting with those prints? I began to get excited after the big prints were found, but the those big prints they weren't real deep, and I was kind of baffled by that because the little prints, some of them had sunk, you know, probably six inches or deeper into it, into the the mud. But over there on the other side, where the big prints were. Those big prints weren't very deep at all, and I couldn't wrap my head around how that was happening. And so I was trying not to get too excited about that because I was curious and doubtful uh, of some, you know, about that. And um, But we still went ahead and casted the prints, and Bama Murdoch yep. was with us. We, there were several people with us by this time because people had started showing up. We had gone like two, two or three days early. But uh, people had started showing up, and so everybody was excited. And so Bama is he—he he was a detective yep. of sorts, and uh, I, I don't know what his official title was. That's why I said of sorts. But he was a police officer, and we wanted him to handle all of that because he knew the procedures, the way they needed to be done. And uh, so we casted the prints, and then after they had dried, he went over there to them, and we, we made sure to collect collect dirt and the rocks and stuff that were around there. But um, he took his knife, and he cut down around, you know, like a, a rectangle around the print. And then as he's starting to take the shovel to, to press down and kind of come up under them, when he pressed on the shovel he said oh man this is some hard rock under these prints and I went okay yes that's it no wonder they're not deep because they were they were just compacted underneath there with rocks that's what and, I was thinking uh, that it was rocks yeah yeah and so after I saw that that made a huge it was just a huge relief and once the prints were turned over, you know, and cleared off and everything, you could see a mid-tarsal break really easy in the prints. And the one that I kept and brought home, which was the first one I did, um, 
it was kind of on an incline. So the left side of its foot was uh, going up and it didn't press down completely on it because it was so rocky and hard. And But you can still see that that mid-tarsal break goes all the way through there. And uh, they're, they're really interesting and fascinating prints. I think that they found something really good there. I would be giddy, I think, but terrified at the same time if I found evidence like that. It was very exciting. I mean, when more people, you know, for the meet and greet started showing up and and of course, you know, they were wanting to go there and look at them. And we were trying to keep people away from the area. Luckily, it was mainly just us out there at that time. And uh, But we still didn't want them going all over. Because when I said there were a lot of prints, there were a lot of prints. Juvenile and mature. And uh, the, there were probably, I don't know, I'm guessing here. But there was probably around 10 of the larger prints. But I would not even be able to count all of the small little prints. It was just like, you know, like a kid would just run around all through there. And the mama or the adult one kind of stayed along the edge. But another clincher to that that was fascinating is when you walked on around the cove and went about on the backside of it, which some of the people did because they were looking for other evidence. There were these huge rocks that had been just flipped over. And mussels. They were looking for mussels under these rocks. Oh. And so that really got us excited too. And but anyway, yeah, it's 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 a great location and there's been Bigfoot activity. You know, we've heard things out there and it's just it's an awesome spot. Now when you said um uh, there's so many people during the meet and greet. You almost have to treat it like a crime scene so that they don't destroy all the evidence there. Yeah, that's how we were trying to do it, actually. Yep. You know, we yep. we would try to keep it, you know, separate. And, of course, by the time we had finally got all the casts, you know, all the tracks casted that we could, we bought all of the plaster of Paris that they had at this little hardware shop. I remember shop you saying, yeah. Town. And so we didn't have a whole lot, but Shelly and I bought everything we could. And uh, so, unfortunately, we didn't get to cast as many as we would have liked to. Have, but um, They must you have know, thought we you did. were crazy buying all of that plaster. Or did they know? Yeah. No, we didn't tell them. <laughs> I disappeared. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're back. Well, I'm back. I, I don't know what I did, y'all, but I'm here. <laughs> so I'd like for you ladies to each tell us about um, a favorite um, investigation or research uh, outing that you had that sticks into your mind. Um, uh, Sandy, we'll start with you. I think one of my favorite places was actually... At an undisclosed, undisclosed location in Oklahoma, yep. we called it um, um, Tribulation Bay, um, and it it was a it was a really cold trip that time. It was rainy, and it had been raining that whole evening. And um, anyways, Barbara was kind of sitting inside, the but me and Debbie was kind of on the outside. We had a fire going, and and we were hearing noises like 
Debbie had heard prior when she caught that fantastic recording that they got of a Bigfoot talking, and uh, we were pretty much in the same exact location. And this night, there were some similar things going on, which I wasn't with them on that trip. I, I actually missed that one, but um, on this one, we had heard, it sounded like motor sounds, um, which we think now were growls, and it was back behind the tent. Um, me and Debbie would just kind of look at each other and ask each other, did you hear that? And we both agree, you know, well, yeah, we heard it. I heard it. Um, but uh, later that night, we had, Debbie was going to stay in a tent across from mine and Barbara's, but it was just a weird, eerie feeling night. So Debbie decided to pull her her bed over and into the tent with me and Barbara. So we kind of all just stuck together close that night. And I'm I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, you know, it was just a weird night. I wouldn't have wanted to myself either. But um, anyways, um, that night we had actually bedded down. We had a heater going and we had chairs propped up by the tent. So water would just go off of them because, like I said, it was a rainy, rainy night, really cold. Um, and I was facing the tent trying to get comfortable to possibly go to sleep. And I seen an upright creature walk, I seen the shadow of a creature walk by the tent. And I just could not believe what my eyes was just witnessing. And it actually bumped a chair as it was walking by. And I just rolled over and Debbie happened to be facing in the exact same direction. And I don't know who mumbled who to what, but we were just (laughs) like, we both seen that. I can't believe we just seen that. But the, the, the real big kicker was, is that there was a container um, in the front part of Barbara's tent. And it's kind of hard to explain it, but she had like a canopy area. And then we had containers set up under there. Whatever, whatever size this, this creature was, and I'm pretty sure that we, we are in agreement. I mean, we didn't actually see it standing there or anything, but it kept trying to pull this container. And it would go plop, plop, plop. And it would stop. Plop, 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 plop. And the thing is, is me and Debbie, we were pressing our nose up against the tent trying to look through it. And you can't look through a tent wall. <laughs> but, uh, this, this this thing was bold. It was very, very bold. Barbara, um, not Barbara, but Debbie rolled over to Barbara. Barbara had her head covered up in a blanket to, to see if Barbara had, was hearing it. And she, was, she did hear it, but she didn't realize at that moment that me and Debbie had actually seen something walk by the tent. And... This went on. I'm not. I'm. I'm not even kidding. It went on for hours, hours. I mean, it was two hours later. It was still trying to get a hold of that container. But Barbara, I guess, was getting aggravated with it doing it. She yells at it. But no. why wasn't you yelling, Barbara? I can't get the hell out of here! <laughs> <laughs> exactly I love it. I love it. I love it. It actually stopped pulling on this container for maybe. 10 minutes and it's like I ain't paying that heifer no attention and it started <laughs> trying to drag it away again <laughs> <laughs> but to me um, I'm, I've had so many good trips I mean there's it would take it would, it would be a five hour interview if we went through <laughs> everything that we've had oh my gosh to, you know it would just take that long but that's that one hasn't been brought up in a little bit but oh my gosh North Georgia has been amazing and um, uh, everywhere we've been, we've been where we've heard it mimicking cow sounds and surrounding us with them. I mean, just all kinds of things. But 
I just wanted to share that one. That was one of the my probably one of my most exciting nights that I think I had. Which yeah. was a lot of exciting night. So that was a good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing and that. It was it was almost like I remember that night I had said something when we started hearing those cow moans. You remember the moans? And I would look at Sandy and I'd say, Are you hearing that? And she'd nod. Cause see the the night that the gibberish was recorded, it was just me and another girl that used to be in our group. We were the only ones there for the majority of the night. And it was just so nice to have them experience in this now. And it had been a little over, gosh, I think I said something like it's been a year and a half yeah. or something. Close and, to it. Yeah. yeah. And it was the first time that some of the things we had heard that first night when we recorded the gibberish, was happening again that night that Sandy's talking about. And we had not heard some of this stuff since that first night. We had heard lots of other stuff in between, but hearing the, the moan sounds and the, the kind of growl sounds that or motor sounds, as we called it. And they were coming from the exact same spot as they had been that first night that we had the, uh, the gibberish. And so that was the first time I had ever gotten kind of creeped out at a location. And I guess because, you know, that was that first night when we recorded the gibberish and it was just me and the other girl there, um, Henry, who used to be in our group as well, she ended up showing up uh, a little bit before four o'clock in the morning. We never knew when she was going to show up. And, but she had come in a little before four. We did not know that she was out there. And she had pulled in just right before or as the gibberish was happening. I'm not sure. But she did hear a tree crash. And that tree crashed right after the gibberish had been said. And it was almost like, I, I think you probably heard me talk about it. It was like two or three of them were talking together. And it sounded like one of them was getting on to, you know, to the other two. And... And then it was like, after they got on to them, the tree went down, kind of like, okay, that's it. I'm done. You know, get out of here. But when we found out the next morning that, that she had come in at that time, then it kind of made sense because I started wondering if this third one, we knew that there had been two there during the night messing with it because they had been on different parts of the tent at the same time. So we knew there had been two, but that's all we thought that was there. And so when this third voice chimed in, I could tell it was a little different than the other two. Then and then when Henry came in, you know, that during the night, and then she's telling us the next morning when we realized she's out there, and I'm like, Where have you been? You don't know what you missed. And she was like, Hold up, let me tell you what I saw and heard, you know, when I first got here. And so she had said that she had seen the path, the bottom leg, you know, a uh, calf area of something running away from the side of the tent. And that it had ran around on this ridge line that went back around to where it had all started in the woods. And, and that's when I told her, you know, I asked her what time she had gotten there and everything. She said that she, when I was telling her everything that had happened and that it, she said, I did hear a tree crash. 
So I think that she probably had been coming down the road and this third one saw that she was coming and came over there to tell the two young ones or whatever they were messing with her, y'all need to get out of here, somebody's coming. And I, I, that's just my perspective, my take on it, mm-hmm. you know. And that crash was kind of like, all right, it's it's done, it's final. <laughs> End of the show. Yeah. Wow. Barbara, what do you, what, uh, what sticks into your mind? Well, like Sandy said, we've had some really great trips, but my favorite one to tell about is when uh, Sandy and our niece Stephanie flew out from Georgia to attend the Texas Bigfoot Conference with me. And Debbie had found a spot and sent me a pen and said, I think this would be a really good place to camp. So we did. We went down there and set up our tent. And then we went on into town to the conference. It was raining. been raining all day. And uh, when we got back, it was probably about 11 o'clock. And we got us a fire going. And I grabbed my, record, my telephone because I had the gibberish that, Debbie had recorded over a year earlier up in Oklahoma on my phone. So I grabbed my phone and I asked my niece, I said, hey, you want to hear some Bigfoot talking? She said, yeah. So I played it. And just as soon as it stopped, I played it one more time. I played it twice. Well, just as soon as it quit that second time behind us in the, in the woods, we heard boom, boom. Boom, and uh, you could feel you could feel something coming up behind us. Are we still on the air? Yes, yeah, we're still. Oh, here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you could feel it coming up, and, and when it got up to our tent, something went on each side of the tent, and there were some small bushes there. And like I said, it had been raining. Well, it just shook these bushes. And sent that water down all over us. And Sandy and I looked at each other like, well, we don't know what's going to happen right now. But after it shook us and wet us all down with the water, they went off in the woods and they left. So that's why we called Debbie's Jeffers for a long time, Bigfoot Be Gone, because we thought it made them leave. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I know I know Debbie goes armed. Like, up here in Canada, um, we don't have firearms with us like you do in the States, sadly. Um, One for each hand, baby. <laughs> so you, you all go, you, you all have weapons. Yes, we do. Good. Because I, I remember uh, watching a live video that, Debbie, you did once, and... Um, Forgive me for doing a really bad impersonation of your act. Of your, I love your accents, by the way. Um, <laughs> and there was lots of activity going on, and you you had your weapon, and you said, "Larry, I need a bigger gun, baby." <laughs> Just like, oh my! I love. And I remember messaging you later on that evening, going, "Oh, my, you know, I saw your your video. Like, how are you all doing now? Are you okay?" <laughs> but I just. That that sentence just resonated in my mind for the longest time. I just <laughs> say that again. Sorry. I said you still have the gun. Oh no! 
<laughs> well, it's about time. Larry, you need to get this lady a bigger gun. <laughs> oh, we don't carry because we think we're going to shoot a Bigfoot because we wouldn't. We, we, we would just Oh, wouldn't. that's just asking for trouble. Yeah. So, you know, it's for the other things that we're afraid we're going to come up on in the woods that we carry. Yep. Or they'll walk up in our camp and announced after dark. <laughs> we kind of lucky with that happening uh, here lately. Yeah, with two, our last two trips in, to Georgia, we had men come walking in our camps. And uh, were they closed? Crazy. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, we didn't ever see the second one. We just politely let him know that uh he didn't need to come back up there yeah but yeah, it that's was why we carried. But, but i'm very glad that that <laughs> came into our camp and we had been up there on that mountain in north georgia this just this past march two two months ago basically and we were gonna stay there about a week and and it was windy oh my gosh because we're on top of a mountain pretty much and uh, it was cold and kind of miserable and a we bad had, storm went through yeah we had bad storms and um we were hunkered down we had our tent it was good we had it covered good with parts because we knew those storms were coming but um we had not had any activity that we were aware of at least for the first three or four nights at all and also, when we got there, they had come in, the forestry service had come in and cleared out a whole lot of stuff that had, it looked like a controlled burn. Mm. And so that, and then of course, there were no leaves on the tree yet. And all the last times that we've been there and had activity, there was still a lot of foliage on the tree. And so there was a lot more cover uh, of the past three or four times that we'd been there and had activity this time it was just bare and miserable and cold and windy and if there had been stuff we might not have been able to hear it because of the wind and stuff but that night that that guy came into our camp this last time it was five o'clock in the morning and we were all asleep. I didn't even put a recorder out that night because I'm like, it's just useless. The wind was so bad, you wouldn't have been able to hear anything. You just hear the way. wind on the recorder. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so Sandy, actually, we sleep in a U formation where we can like reach each other real easy. Mm-hmm. And so Sandy and I, our kids were next to each other. And she reached over there and woke me up and... She didn't even have to tell me why because I could hear it. It was whoops, plain as day whoops, and it sounded like it was going back behind our tent, and it was moving. And you know, normally when you hear whoops, you don't hear a whole lot of them in succession. Sometimes you might hear one or two, you know, but this one in particular was really fascinating to me because it was it was running and whooping. You tell it was moving and it would go whoop, whoop, whoop. Wouldn't you say it was about that close together? Yeah. Yeah, and Barbara, I think, has woken up. up. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's how they sing. They whoop when they run. I don't know. But yeah, it was moving and it was. And 
we were so excited because we we had thought, well, maybe they're just not active this time of year because we had never been there in March before. And we had had activity every other time we'd been there. The last three times us girls by ourselves were there, we've had activity in that same spot. This time, you know, it was a dud. And so we were excited when we were hearing this. So we're listening. We're all into hearing these whoops. And then from the front of our tent, it's pitch black outside. We didn't even have a fire going. We hear, hey. And I know our eyes, if you couldn't see them, they were big as silver dollars. And I looked at the tent and and I answered back. I was hesitant. I didn't know what to do. You could tell it sounded very human and it was male. But there had not been anybody on that mountain at night because we drive around and we were at the top, you know, so we could we could see who was where and there had not been anybody there. So we were really surprised to hear a male voice. And I, I responded back and I went, yeah. And he said, if I keep going down this road, will I end up at the, you know, back in town, go back out towards town or something like that? And I said, yeah. And then he didn't say, I don't think he said, okay, or thank you or anything. That was it. Gone. It. And then a little later on, we heard a car come hauling down through there, which is dangerous because it's a very curvy with steep drop off. But we think what had happened is they had probably been out drinking or something and, and thought, let's go up the mountain, you know, and gotten into an argument or something and kicked his butt out and <laughs> then felt bad, you know, thinking he's going to fall off the edge of the mountain yeah. and he's never going to come back down here. Came back and got him, maybe. But it was so strange because that was the second strange man and second time in a row the last two times we've been there we've had a strange man walk into camp and the first time the man was carrying a three-foot sword oh, <laughs> yeah i remember that story oh yeah. yeah that was in october yeah wow <laughs> that was well on our trip in october for the four days that we were up there we were plummeted with rocks all day and all night. And when we went back in March, we weren't getting it. We weren't getting nothing. Um, and I'm like, Debbie, I think it's because there was no foliage to hide in. They weren't coming up there like normally. But I was sitting in the doorway because I would sit in the doorway with my back facing out and I'd be looking in the tent and one rock came whizzing in about two feet from my head on the side of the tent from the side not the top where it could have possibly been a nut this came in from the side hard about two feet and yeah that, that was all the rocks we got <laughs> You ladies are so brave. Like I have a background in investigating ghosts. I I, I don't want to go look for Bigfoot because I've said countless time I don't want to encounter something that can rip my head off and spit down my my down my neck. You know, uh, no, no, thank you. Well, you know what? That's the way I feel about ghosts because I could possibly see that Bigfoot, but that ghost he's just gonna grab me out of nowhere. Yeah, okay, but I'm yeah. interested in ghosts too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Live with a few. 
I'm interested in Bigfoot, obviously, but uh, to go researching them? No, I'm quite content with listening, uh, you know, about encounters like from people like you wonderful ladies. Like, no, no, no. I think we've had an encounter once, but um, uh, we're on an investigation out on a place called Buck Hill here. And um, I'm not going to go into the story, but... uh, you go up this hill and there's no lights, there's no houses, it's just woods on either side of the road. And we're all investigating, we all have our various pieces of equipment. And we heard this loud crash in the in the woods. And I jokingly said, you know, let's go see if it was Bigfoot, ha ha. But then it dawned on me, we had little pebbles being thrown at us earlier that evening. And we just thought, uh, you know, maybe they're... Um, elementals or whatever throwing throwing stones at little pebbles at us but then we put two and two two two, uh, sorry two and two together and yeah when that tree crashed or whatever that loud bang was because uh you'd hear someone if they're walking in the woods you'd hear the you know the crunching uh but no it's just dead quiet and all of a sudden this loud bang we all screamed huddled back to instinctively huddled back to back you know shut off all our flashlights and everything we're just like maybe he can't see us i just like yeah that was that was a close enough encounter that for me that that uh, satisfied me. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> well, if you get in that situation again where you're scared something's coming upon you, turn on those headlamps, light it up. They won't come into that light. Yeah, we thought of that later on. It's like, well, why yeah. did we, why did we do that? You know, we should have just turned the lights on. You know, because we all had headlamps, flashlights, whatever, you know, mag lights. I had, uh, I usually have a mag light attached to my belt loop, so it's easily accessible because I usually have my hands full with other equipment. But, uh, yeah, we just decided, no, if we shut off all the lights, maybe they can't see us. But then, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they can. yeah yeah oh yeah we realized that after but the the initial thought was yeah it's almost like when i was a child and i close my eyes and look at my parents and say you can't see me yeah it it doesn't work Uh, like that if you i remember my first couple of trips i was just scared to death yeah i can imagine after that then it starts being an adrenaline rush having something happen Yep. So you keep going back time after time. I think we're all adrenaline junkies. <laughs> yeah. It's the same way with, with me when we first started out uh, um, investigating ghosts. You know, you are you do get scared, but the adrenaline and you want to find out more. You want to find out more information of what you're looking at, what you're experiencing. So, yeah, I think you're right. We all are adrenaline junkies on one level or another. Yeah. It's a lot better than riding a roller coaster. A lot more fun. I've never been on one, and I will not. (laughs) Not that brave. Roller coasters too. The roller coasters, though, you know, they can make you kind of nauseated sometimes. Hey, now the older I get, I I get dizzy playing Ring Around the Rosie. So going on a roller coaster for me is not an option. (laughs) (laughs) And being absolutely quiet is not going to keep them from showing up either because yeah. we make a lot of noise and we've had them. We'd be quiet and the no, and the activity stop. Yeah. So we just start giggling and laughing and then it'll pick back up again. 
the yeah. the last time when we were in October when we were having all the activity, like I said earlier, each night it got a little bit less, and we thought maybe they were getting bored with us, you know. So we would just start singing and dancing and dancing around the fire. We probably looked like we were witches. I but um, we'd, we'd even talk to them, you know, say, come on, guys, come on, y'all. We know you're out there. Yeah. And then within just yeah, a minute, they throw a rock at us. It's like they understand what we're saying, honestly. And um, and then if they ever get too close, you know, like with hitting, mm-hmm. uh, with a rock coming in and hitting us, we'll say, okay, now, don't be doing that. That's too close or that rock's too yeah. big. Get on to them. You know, us at them a little bit. Yeah. But we do it nicely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah. You, you don't we want don't to anger them. <laughs> no. No. But that spot, you know, I'm, now this is my opinion. I feel like it's mostly the really young ones that they're letting come up there when there's plenty of leaf cover to mess with us and let them get experience messing with people. Because in March when we went back, like I say, with no cover, we weren't getting messed with. But I still think they were around. And well, evidently, the old ones watching us. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a good feeling to hear those whoops when Sandy yeah. woke me up. That let us know that they were there. Which, yeah. like Barbara had talked about, that one rock coming in that one time. We were excited about that, but then that was it. But we knew that that had to have been thrown. Mm-hmm. You know, we were just disappointed that it wasn't as active as it had been the previous times there. But um, I was going to say something. I was going to tell you something. I forgot what it was now. Uh-oh. Oh, oh, back in October, when we were having all the, the rock activity, it would start almost just short time after it got dark and it wouldn't end until sometimes close to three o'clock in the morning. Wow. And especially that first night, that first night it was constant and it didn't let up until three each night. Like I said, it got a little less, but, but what was so different with this camping trip in October compared to our previous one where we had had a lot of activity similar that was the, the time that we, the guy with the machete, or actually it was a sword, it wasn't a machete, the guy with the sword had come into camp. Well, I don't know if you've heard us talk about that, but he was scared to death. Yeah, I have. I think ba- was Bama with you then? No, it was just us girls. Okay. Yeah, I do and, remember the story, yeah. Yeah, the first night it was just the three of us girls and then Stephanie, their niece that Barbara mentioned earlier, she joined us the next night. And uh, and um, but that first night is when he came into camp. He didn't have a headlight on his head. Nothing. No flashlight. Nothing. And he walked about a mile in the dark to come to our camp. And Barbara had told us about this guy, but we didn't know, Sandy and I didn't know what he looked like or anything. So when this young guy is walking up in the middle of the dark carrying a three-foot sword, and he walks up in our camp, I was worried. I was concerned. And um, 
But he is telling us that he asked us, did, did y'all hear that? We were like, what? We didn't hear anything. It was like, it was like a Medusa scream. And he was acting like this, you know, doing his hands and shaking. And we didn't know if he was high on something or if he was really scared. And uh, he kept saying that he had heard this Medusa scream. We didn't know what that was. All we could think about was Medusa, you know, with the snakes in her hair. And I was like, I don't ever hear, remember hearing a story about her screaming. And then he starts saying it sounded like a pterodactyl and everything. And we're like, dude, you know, no, we hadn't heard anything. And Barbara got on to him and said, you don't need to be walking up women, you know, with a sword. We all have guns. (laughs) And then he sounded kind of like he got a little hurt i guess and <laughs> upset because then he's like well i was just worried about you i knew you were over here by yourself earlier and i just wanted to make sure you were okay and then he starts you know leaving well then i get upset not upset but worried because i'm like oh great barbara now you've made him mad <laughs> is he gonna come back <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna come back he could be over there hiding in those woods just waiting on us and um we just couldn't get over the fact that he had walked over there in the dark, and I wanted to know that he had gone back to his camp where he should have been. And so I said, let's drive up there and pretend like we're checking on him to make sure he made it back okay and show him that we care and we're nice so he don't come back in the middle of the night and kill us. Yeah. So we wow. did. We went up. <laughs> and when we got there, his headlights on his truck was on, his door was open, right inside the truck was on, and it looked like he had thrown all of the stuff up in the middle of his cab. And, uh, but we didn't see him anywhere. And uh, we, we, me and Barbara go, hello, out our window, so he was right. And uh, he comes out of the woods, and he's still got the sword, and this time you can see that sword. And he goes, did y'all hear that? Please tell me y'all heard that. We were like, we didn't hear anything. And he goes, it was that Medusa scream. Now we could tell that he was definitely scared and not high or, you know, on anything. And so we told him, we were like, well, we just wanted to come check on you and make sure you know, that you were okay. So we left and we went back to camp. When we got back to camp, it wasn't no time. And that's when the rock started happening. And then about three o'clock that night, we had finally gone into the tent. I think it was about one thirty or two when we went in the tent. And about three o'clock that night is when they kind of died down and we finally drifted off to sleep. Well, early that next morning, just a little later, we could hear this vehicle just roaring by us. And I think that's what woke me up. And my head this first night was up against the front part of the tent. And I remember turning it just enough where I could hear because that woke me and I wanted to make sure my head we still had the fire going out front because we'd gone to bed so late you know it was still going and so when I turned my head there was enough light coming off that fire that I could see this big shadow coming towards our tent and it was covering up the door area of our tent and I remember looking at it, and as it got closer and closer, it got bigger and bigger, you know, like shadows do. And it got taller, and I could see shoulders, and then I could see the head, and I could see it coming up <clears throat> over the roof part of our tent. 
And so I'm kicking Sandy in the head, trying to wake up. And I just pointed like that, you know, like up. And she looks up. And at this time, another one was on its left. It would be his left if we were facing. And it was coming up behind him to his left side. But this one, Sandy, wouldn't you say it was about a foot or so shorter? Yeah. Yeah, I took it as an adult. I don't know, but I'm thinking an adult male or maybe a female. They were out rounding up kids or something. I don't know. That's how I took it, too. And by this time, you know, Sandy was hitting Barbara with her feet, too. Barbara was already, I think, away. And, uh, but that was the first time I have ever felt this heaviness. And it was the only time I've ever really felt like this. And it was so weird because I don't know if it was because you could see that these were huge. These weren't juveniles anymore. I remember I even said something to you and, and I said, it's, it's the big guys. And I just said that kind of under my breath, but I said it out loud, I think. And um, there was just a different feel to them than there were those what we think were younger ones earlier in the evening and you could hear their footfall a lot heavier as they walked they were a lot slower because the younger ones would run sometimes we could hear them even on when I went live you could hear them kind of running up behind the tent but um, I remember I looked at my clock and on my phone and it was 5.30 when those two came up to the front and they went off to the left side of our tent and came up around behind us and stuff. And I had my recorder back in that back left corner. And we had little twinkle lights all through there. And it, it sounded like they were moving all through there. But we never found any kind of footprints or anything where, where it sounded like they were. But um, strange. about, I think when... When I looked at my clock again, it was 6.36. And the only reason I looked at my clock is we found out what that Medusa scream was that that guy had been talking about. Because at 6.36, from that back left corner of the tent, we heard it. And it was definitely female sounding, very high pitched. And at first, I remember thinking, what the heck is that? Because it wasn't your typical whoop or call that we're used to but at the end of it it had a whoop in it and if it hadn't had that i still wouldn't have known what it was and then well, about it did have that pterodactyl sound to it like yeah, he had it described had a, yeah it, did. it had that pterodactyl sound very high pitch but about five or six seconds after that first one it did it again it did it twice. And I was excited because I was like, that's where my recorder's at. <laughs> my recorder's back there. And Barbara's was out in front over in a, wasn't it on that stump? Barbara, yeah, it was on the other side. Yeah. yeah. And so they ended up after those two screams, they left or whatever. And we, of course, we laid there awake now. We couldn't go back to sleep. We finally about seven something get up and go outside because it was starting to get daylight and um i said something about oh my recorder's back there 
where it was at. So I ran back there and got the recorder. I didn't play it or anything. And Barbara went and got hers. And then that night, that guy was gone. But four more guys came in. And they camped about five or six miles away from us at the end of the, the road that ends on the top of the mountain. There's a, an old camp, a new campground that's up there that had been closed down for a couple of years. And they were down there camping by themselves, bear hunting. And they had about six or seven dogs with them. They had the big cages on the back of their trucks that they'd keep the dogs in. And we drove down there just to snoop them out, asked them what they were doing. And they said they were bear hunters. So that next night, we're sitting at camp. And it was about six something in the evening. And no, it was a little bit later. It was just starting to get dark, if I remember correctly. But we hear four gunshots coming from down there in that direction. You could tell that it was coming from what we call it the closed camp. And I remember grinning and I said, well, either the bear hunters are getting drunk or they've got some visitors. Yeah. And then we heard two more. We heard two more gunshots. And then after those last two gunshots, we heard that Medusa scream. From down there at their camp. Wow. Yeah. And then it, once it got dark, the, the young ones came, or we guess they, they were young ones, but the rocks throwing started back up at our camp. And then just like the night before, almost like clockwork, the young ones quit messing with us between 2.30 and 3. They went off. We'd go to sleep. And then right about 5.30 again, the other, other would move in. And it, they did that three nights in a row. Did the dogs go off too from those bear hunters? Did were they barking or? They were barking. I, I can imagine. Yeah, we could hear them barking. Yeah. And then we talked to the bear hunters the third or fourth day, and Barbara or Sandy one asked them if they had seen any bear or got any bear, and they said that they'd gotten two. Hmm. So, but they were down trying to get one off the side of a mountain, but they were down at the bottom of the mountain with, with the, that bear. So have you ever experienced, was, have you ever experienced orbs with any of these encounters? I was waiting for them to. Yeah. The big thicket. Yeah. The big thicket, the big thicket. I definitely seen orbs going through the woods and I've never seen it again but yes I have seen orbs and there was Bigfoot activity going on in that location because that's we were actually asked to go there to investigate the area for people that had had things happening to them and um and that that same time we were there for maybe what was it one or two nights we were there was it just we were just there that one night well, we walked out the woods as a group, and I heard the most perfect, clearest whoop I have ever experienced. So, yes, yeah. there was one on there. Yeah. What do yeah. you think the correlation is between the orbs and, and the Bigfoot sightings? I really don't know. I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Yeah. I know one time at Land Between the Lakes, I was there with Mark and Larry and uh, Dan Ricky was there. I was still kind of on the fence about all the orb phenomenon. 
not sure if it was really associated with Bigfoot or not. And this was this was probably about four years ago. And we were at this location where Mark and Larry had previously recorded like 13 really good howls and, and everything. And so they had had lots of Bigfoot activity in this one location. And so we had just driven out there and decided we'd get out and do some calls. And you could see, you know how you can see the top of the tree lines and the trees dark in the sky above it, even though it's dark, it's a little lighter. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could see that. That's how it was. And then I remember that Mark had gone walking down the road. And I like knowing where everybody's at, not just for our safety, but if I hear something, then I know, oh, well, Mark's down there, yeah. whatever. So I was watching Mark walk down the road and... As I'm looking down the road, I can see the tree line way on down there, and I see this. It was a, uh, it was a like a, a whitish color. It wasn't pure white, but it was a whitish color, and it was like a ball of light, and it looked like it was right above the tree line. And it, so I'm looking at it, and while I'm looking at it, it starts changing from a white to a pale pink color. So now I, I kind of hit Larry. I reach over there. You know, he's standing not far from me, and I hit him, and I point at him. And he's watching it, and he nods, and it's changing from now that pale pink going into a red. And it's just going real slow, and elevation just above And I'm like, that's not a plane. I mean, it was a perfect You could tell it wasn't a plane. It wasn't flashing, blinking lights or nothing. So it's changed from white into a red, and it gets down to where that tree line is going to intersect into another tree line that's going off and makes a right angle. Well, when it gets to the end of that tree line, it disappears. The second it disappears, Dan Ricky is over behind us, and he does a Bigfoot call, and kind of startled me because I didn't know he was going to do it, and I remember I flinched a little bit. And just as he did the Bigfoot call, that orb is completely gone. But then over here, more to the left, more in front of us along that tree line, the second Dan Ricky gets through doing his call, another orb, which it could have been the same one, I don't know, now it's this whitish golden color, falls out of the sky, almost like it's a falling shooting star. And you can see it almost like, you know, how it has the little remnants coming off of it. As soon as that disappears, I mean, the second that orb disappeared, we got a call back. And that made my mouth kind of drop open. I would imagine. And I was like, holy crap. Because that's when I started thinking, hmm, maybe there is some correlation here. But, you know, we just don't don't know. know. Yeah. Yeah. If you could go anywhere in the world to conduct some research, where would you go? Barbara, we'll go with you first. Oh, my gosh. Um, we, we've got some good, pretty good spots we got. We haven't hit Salt Fork together yet. We need to do that. Yeah, I, I think was going to uh, say Ohio. Yeah, I'd like to go up there. You know, we have some friends that in, that do some pretty good research up there. 
Yeah, we do. I would like to hit the Rockies one time when the weather permits. Yeah, we definitely need to make that Oregon trip that we did. We had to uh, turn into the Olympic Peninsula trip. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we had we had planned to go to Oregon, and um, that's when they were having the wildfire real bad, and uh, I I wasn't sure where we were going to go. And same course of, of the Olympic project. Is a complete sweetheart, and he's a very good person. And he uh, he said, "Why don't y'all come up here?" And uh, we stayed there at their cabin a couple of nights, and then we went back up into the Olympic forest back there and camped the next three nights, I think it was. And we had some activity, had <laughs> some interesting stuff happen up there. Yeah. But that was that's when we also saw the naked hiker <laughs> during the day. But, Found the uh, track right there. Uh, yeah, Sandy said, "Y'all come look at this," and it, it looked like about five prints in a row. They were like three and a half, four foot apart. Yeah. Wow. It's a good stride. It, it, yeah. It's a wonderful trip. It's beautiful. Any plans Absolutely. to ever come up to Canada? Yeah. I'd love to go to Canada. Well, if ever you do, you got to let me know. <laughs> Where are you at in Canada? I'm in Ontario in the Ottawa Valley. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We have uh, the Algonquin Park. That's not too far from here. And there have been sightings over the over years uh, at Algonquin Park. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'd love it. We just like going to different places and... It's it's really interesting to me that all the similarities, you know, it's, yeah. it's like you go to this different place, you think you're going to have something different happen. And yeah. you may have it be a little different, but it's all going to relate. And that's fascinating. And that definitely tells you something, you know. Yeah, that's something that's always, I've said it countless times, that really fascinates me about the uh, the paranormal, whether it's cryptids or aliens. Every culture, every religion has these same cryptids or ghosts or, or, you know, and they're just so similar. So even Bigfoot, you know, we have them in North America. You have them in Nepal. You have them in Australia. They're all called something differently. And they might look a little different probably because of the the climate or, you know, uh, wherever they're from. But they're pretty much the same creature. And that, to me, fascinates me. They're just everywheres. They are. Yeah. They're not just up in the Pacific Northwest. They're no. everywhere. And now, yeah. now with the internet, more and more people talk about it. So you're able to start filling in the like the the dots. You're you're connecting the dots. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's just amazing listening to people's different encounters and um, how similar they are. I think that's what you just said is one of the best. One of the most beneficial things that has come out of Facebook and Bigfoot groups, um, as frustrating as some of it can be on on Facebook, it's also very beneficial for for that reason exactly, is you've got people from all over the world reporting about things they've encountered and what's going on, and you can say, I had that happen too, and 
it shows you that there is this common thread. It's not just some flower. It's all walks of life, too. Like it, yeah. 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 And it's fascinating. I mean, it just it pulls you in and reels you into it. And I could eat, sleep, and breathe Bigfoot, I think. <laughs> it's nice <laughs> to know, too, that more people are, are being a little bit more open about their encounters. I mean, people who talk about these things aren't shunned as much as they were even 20, 30 years ago. They don't, they're not perceived as being crazy as much as years ago you know just more and more people are, are opening up and and I find that's important because it can be really traumatizing on someone thinking that you know am I crazy did I just witness that you know a big hairy man uh, it can't happen or whatever the the creature that they encountered so it's nice to know that other people have ex been experiencing the same things exactly exactly and, and, you know, for a while, I was hesitant to put anything on my Facebook page about it. Um, I'm still friends with, well, all my family and all of my people and friends that I went to school with and grew up with in my small town. And, and um, a lot of them kind of knew, but there were quite a few that didn't. But what I have really enjoyed is by me putting stuff on my Facebook page every now and then about Bigfoot. I've had people that lived down the road from me on, you know, I lived in a little bitty Kodak town. It wasn't even big enough to be called a town really. And, uh, but I had people that lived down the road from me that have contacted me and told me about Bigfoot experiences that they had there in Malta where I grew up. And I love that. I love that. It brings because people together. Had, yeah. And it's just, you know, they, they probably have kept that to themselves for so long. And you just, you're dying to tell somebody, but you don't want them thinking you're crazy. So now you've got somebody that you can share what you know for a fact happened mm -hmm. and get that off the chest. It's like a, a heavy weight. Has been yeah, somebody that won't laugh at you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know exactly. You're Bigfoot. You're yeah. crazy. <laughs> and those that, those that laugh, I think they do that because they don't want it to be crazy. They're scared. Oh, yeah. Or they've had the encounter and they're like, yeah, I'm not going to tell anybody. But yeah, you know, it's, I've embraced yeah. my craziness a long time ago. So <laughs> talking about ghosts and, and things like that doesn't bother me anymore. Hey, you got to be crazy to get by in this crazy world. <laughs> right, especially now. Yeah. <laughs> well, ladies, I think we're going to call her here. Uh, before we go, would you like to tell the listeners where they can find you and more about your research? Well, we don't really have, well, we don't have a YouTube or a page, a public page. We have a private page that we document stuff and talk to each other on, but. And Debbie likes to go live on Beast whenever we have a signal. Not all the time Do we, can we use our phones, but when we can, we'll get on there and share. Is there a place that people can contact one of you if they have questions or they want to share encounters? Or oh, uh, they, they can contact can us. Yeah. Sorry, say that again. Yeah. Just send, just send us, us a message. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've had several 
you know, get in touch with us that way. And we'd yeah. love to hear from you and hear your encounter or if you have any questions. Not that we know anything other than what we've experienced, but we'd love to talk right. you know, to them. Yeah, just sharing encounters. That, that's um, yeah. that's really important. That's how we learn. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank it you is. so much, ladies. I really appreciate and and I love that you're. We finally were able to connect. Um, yeah. I respect you, ladies, so much. Um, you're so brave in my eyes. <laughs> well, if you come down into the states, you let us know. We'll build a campfire with you. I will for sure. Yeah. Yes, that sounds great. I know Mark and Larry and uh, Bama have all said if you and your husband ever come down, we'll take you to LBL, which you know my husband's kind of like nah, I don't know. But I said, well, if there's a group of us, you should be okay. But I, I would love oh, to do yeah. that. Yeah. It's a beautiful place, too. It is pretty. Yeah, I've seen photos. It seems so beautiful. It is. It's very pretty. A lot of history there. Definitely, and lots of different activity there. Yeah. yeah. I hope you ladies will come on again another at another time, uh, talk about more of your encounters that you've had. And, um, yeah. We'd Thank love you. to. Yeah, we got yeah. it. We got it all worked out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've really enjoyed it. It's been a while since we've actually done a podcast. So, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you so very much again. I really appreciate you. You're very all right. Well, well, thank you. Yes. Good we seeing you, again, Barbara. Bye, y'all. Happy squatching. <laughs> Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to PurplePlanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 